My name is Haley Winter. You're listening to How's the Pressure, a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes in the world of massage. All right, welcome to another episode of How's the Pressure. I am your host, Haley Winter. And before I get to our guest today, I just want to cover a small piece of business. Uh, Some of you may have noticed that if you've been with me from the beginning, that I started off with a seasonal format. So I had a season, the first season had eight episodes. Then we started the second season, and I really didn't mention it again. And I think what it came down to is that I've got a lot of great content coming through, and it doesn't really make sense to hold it in this kind of container of the season by season I think my original uh, idea was to to group the episodes or the, the seasons by the content type. So you could have one that's all about the behavior in the massage room or one season that's about uh, different types of techniques that are available out there. Uh, but again, it doesn't really make sense if all the content comes at you haphazardly, even though it's great stuff that I'm really interested in, in talking about and learning about uh, yeah, to try and group it that way feels not organic. So uh, I'm just going to let it free flow. And I'll be continuing to reach out to people and interviewing them and and passing it along to you guys. So again, feel free, email me, go to www.howstheprecher.com and email me and let me know what you want me to talk about. Any person you want me to interview, even if it's yourself, if you have something really important to say about the, the industry we're in and the uh, the challenges we face, uh, I would love to hear from you. So that being said, uh, today's guest is Linda Aldridge. So Linda has been practicing bodywork for over 35 years and teaching it for almost that long. So Linda has a wealth of experience. And I wanted someone with that kind of time in the field to talk about the Emblex, which is the test that a lot of massage therapists have to take in order to get certified or licensed. It's used by many states uh, in the U.S. And she has a lot of experience, both in the academic setting as a student who's taken a lot of tests, and as a teacher and as a program director who has constructed a lot of tests and administered a lot of tests. Linda also has a master's degree in holistic health education, And I think the more we talked, the more it became clear that she really also has a desire to support practitioners in not only reaching their personal goals, but their professional goals. So Linda and I have a great conversation that spans a number of different elements around the MBLX, including personal growth and expectations. Now, I don't want to preface this conversation too much, so I'll just go ahead and say that even though the subject matter may sound a little dry, being a test that we all have to take. I think there is some really interesting topics that come up around what it means to be a massage therapist that is going to take this test. How does it define us? What opportunities does it offer us going forward? So without further ado, I give you my conversation with Linda Aldridge. So welcome, Linda. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this is a, some could view this as a a, a dry conversation, but I actually think it's rich uh, in that this is a piece of the puzzle when it comes to increasing or raising the standard of what we expect from ourselves 
as massage therapists in this industry. And it also got some interesting intricacies because this is new. And so we're, it's figuring itself out as we move along. And the Emblex, so what we're talking about today, can, you know, has some, it's not so polarizing, but it has some people that are like questioning, like, hmm, what's going on here? And other people are like, yeah, this is totally awesome. And so it's great to have you come in and, and talk us through this because you are the person who knows the most about it that I know. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's a big change uh, to have a test involved in being able to do massage and be certified. That's a big change. And um, you're right about the dryness, but uh, when things are personal and necessary, they get more interesting quickly. So Yes. Yeah. And oftentimes our reaction to the necessary and personal becomes interesting, even if it's a, a dry test. Exactly. It can, it can, you can find some interesting things about the people who are taking it. Right, and the process. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. So, so to get us started, how long have you been teaching the Emblex or prep for the Emblex? I started bringing it up with students in 2012, but, you know, there just wasn't a lot of urgency about it because it wasn't a requirement for us in California. So it wasn't really until late 2014 um, that we started thinking, mm, people are going to need to take this test. We can see how the wind is blowing here. So it was 2015 when we uh, ran the first prep class uh, that, I, that I did. And how many classes have you run since 2015? Um, we're running somewhere four or five iterations a year. Uh, so coming up on three years of, of iterations here. Mm-hmm. And in your time running these classes, what would you say like the most common misunderstandings that students uh, and people who are potentially taking this test, what are the misconceptions they have about the test itself? It's a really interesting question. There are lots of them. Uh, I, I love uh, when we open our discussion on the first day um, and people are saying what their anxieties are and some of them are just off the mark, you know, like you don't have to be anxious about that. And then, of course, there are things that folks aren't aware of. Um, probably the, one of the big ones is that people think that this test is offered by the CAMTC, that it's somehow a part of the CAMTC process. And it is something you have to answer yes to on the application, but the CAMTC didn't make this test, and they don't offer this test. Right. The CAMTC is the California Massage Therapy Council. That's right. And they're thinking it's from the state, but it's not at all. It's not at all. No, this, this is a, a licensing exam that... 44 out of the 48 regulated states use, and it was put together by the Federation of State Massage Therapy Boards, that's FSMTB, and um, uh, they put it together in service to all of the licensing and certifying boards across the country. So it's, a, it's kind of a national test. There are a few states that don't want to have it that still have their own tests. I think New York is one. I think Hawaii is one. Okay. So what are some other misconceptions that people have about the Emplex? Yeah, um, people have a misconception about uh, the scoring, that there's a kind of a passing percentage, the way there is for a test that you might take for a course. Uh The test is designed differently. You answer a question on the test, and if you answer it correctly, the next question uh, will be a little harder. Uh, That means that the test is adaptive. And no two people's tests are the same. They have thousands of questions that they can draw from. So the tests are very individual based on 
what comes up for you and how you are responding to the questions. So as far as we understand the scoring, and they're not really precise in telling us how the scoring happens, the lowest score you can get is a 300, and the highest score you can get is a 900. A passing score is 630 right now, mm. and that mark can change, I think. Um, and the way that you get to that passing score is you answer enough of the difficult questions that you reach that threshold. But it's not a percentage. So so someone could answer a, a number of questions worse than another person, but still pass. Right. And every question is not weighted equally in uh-huh. the, under this system. So, so is it likely that someone, that two people answer the same number of questions correctly and one person passes and one person doesn't pass? I don't know if that's possible, but theoretically it is, given this situation. Mm. I mean, if we don't have enough detail for me to say, oh, yes, that could happen. But okay. theoretically it could, given the situation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's also possible that if someone goes through the test and achieves a lower score, they probably haven't seen as many difficult questions as someone who's achieved a higher score. Right, because they haven't answered the lower questions in order to receive the higher questions. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So so one of the uh, unfortunate things about the test is that very few people feel great after they take it, even if they pass it, because... The test is always going to keep you at your at your edge. Right. It's designed um, to to figure out what you know and what you don't know. Exactly. It's designed to challenge you to your mm-hmm. to your limit and see where that limit is. So that's a misconception too. Um, there's one more actually, um, and that is that you have to wait to take it until it's offered someplace close by. This is a test that's offered on a computerized terminal at a, an official testing center, and next to you there are going to be you know, builders taking their uh, licensing exams and lawyers and uh, people from other professions. So you can schedule online, take the test at any testing center you choose at the day or time of your choosing. You have a lot of flexibility with that. Uh, so it's not like once every six months, like some licensing boards. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of people, um, some people are very happy about that. Other people are like, well, that doesn't give me an excuse. I I can take it any time. I better get ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that there are many different ways you can study for this test. I mean, there are, uh, there are apps you can use. There's classes you can go to. I'm sure there are, you know, hand study guides. Uh, in your mind, in your experience, what is the best way or combination of ways for uh, a massage student to, to go about studying and prepping for this test? The thing I have an opinion about is the process for approaching the study, not necessarily which materials are best although I have some opinions about that too. But I want to hear them. It's hard, it's hard for me to speak for anyone else. Um, the, the thing I think that's most important is that if you're thinking of taking this test, check out the content outline that's available online. So the website is fsmtb.org and uh, use the MBLEX uh, information link and go to the tab that says Content Outline, you're going to find there a, a listing of all the topics that are on the test and also how much of them you're going to see on the test. So each section has a percentage weighting. There are 100 questions on the test. If it says this category is weighted at 17%, you can guess that there are going to be 16, 17, 18 questions on that list of topics uh, under that section. So go to the content outline, 
look it over, and as you're reading through, notice the sections that are making you go, oh yeah, okay, got that, oh yeah, I remember that, oh okay, I have those notes, I can take a look at that, oh my gosh, I don't know what they're talking about. You know, you get to that place where you think, I didn't have that, <laughs> I, didn't, yeah. I didn't opt to study that, or... I must have spaced when we covered that or whatever. And then that's the place to target your study. So whatever study material you choose, you're using your, your time well. Um, beyond that, checking the content outline and targeting, then it's a matter of using reputable materials. You mentioned a number of different types that are available. Um, who are you as a student? I mean, do you like to read? If you like to read, you might best use your time by digging into that textbook that you didn't fully uh, digest when you were at school. You might already have the material that you need. Do you like interactive materials? You might want to use the free AMTA uh, study app. I think it's only uh, workable for mobile devices. Or you could pay to use the ABMP exam coach and get your money back on your membership. Um, so it's not really lost. Uh, either one of those would provide you an opportunity to, to do interactive testing online, practice quizzes, answering questions. The ABMP coach also has uh, vocabulary you can study, which is kind of great. And full-length practice tests to take periodically to see how you're doing. Um, there are other materials available, especially online and other published materials. Just make sure they're literate. I mean, I've I've seen some of them, and you know, if if terms are misspelled or or sentences aren't put together well, just move on and find something else. Hmm. Uh, it's a big market right now, so there are a lot of people selling materials to help folks study. Oh, there's one other thing I'll mention, and that is that the uh, FSMTB publishes a study guide themselves. You can buy it online at the site I mentioned before. Let me tell you what it is and what it isn't. Um, it is a list of the kinds of things that are on the test. It doesn't actually have any information. So let me tell you what I mean. I'm going to grab a page from the MBLEX uh, study guide, the official study guide. So I'm here on the circulatory system page, and it says study points, and it has things like Understand the functions of the basic blood cells, such as erythrocytes, leukocytes, lymphocytes, and thrombocytes. Identify the major pulse points on the body. Um, understand basic concepts of the exchange of oxygen and carbon dioxide within the circulatory system, including sites for this exchange. Right. These and are categories. Exactly. They're categories. The wonderful thing is it also says areas that are outside of the scope of testing include the finest details, such as memorization of all the types of white blood cells, identification of the minor blood vessels. So it gives you a, a sort of a floor and a ceiling, uh -huh. you know, in terms of the detail that they're looking for. Right. It's a guide, but it's not, it's not informational. It's not information, exactly. So you need to combine that with, like, your study guide or exactly. your, your textbook. Your textbook to... or one of the coaches that I mentioned or, yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Hmm. So what's the hardest part about taking the MBLEX? Um, again, that really depends who you are. So what are some of the answers you've gotten from people you've, you've worked with in terms of when they've come back to you and said, wow, I was not expecting this. This was so hard for X reason or for Y reason. Yeah. Um, 
there are definitely things that people say frequently. One thing is, it was scarier than I thought. Um, if you're not easy with authority, if you're not easy being sort of depersonalized, uh, massage therapists love being depersonalized. Oh yeah, we're famous for that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't show up. It's not a warm and fuzzy environment. It's polite, but it isn't warm and fuzzy. You can't bring your lucky, uh, I don't know, golf ball with you. Uh, you can't wear too much clothing. You can't even bring your own uh, earplugs. If you need earplugs, you, they'll provide those for you, but you can't bring them. You can't bring your own pen or paper or, you know, anything that might be comforting uh-huh. to you. Yeah. Uh, so but you also to... hiding, you know, material that exactly. helps you. Exactly. It's all about security. So you get a locker and you have to stow all your personal, personal things. Uh, like I said, even... Even if you have too many layers of clothing, they'll ask you to take that off. They'll actually feel your body to make sure you're not concealing anything. Wow, yeah, this is um, serious business. So it is serious business, yeah, absolutely. There are some videos on the FSMTB site. Uh, there's one about security that will help prepare you for that. And I yeah. think if you're prepared, it's less scary. Yeah, but I mean, still, I mean, for people in our field, we are sensitive about space and environment. I mean, we set up our massage rooms to be inviting, warm, welcoming places to walk into a space that is cold and sterile and security-driven uh, can be a little bit challenging A little for challenging. Us. Well, yeah, at, least it, it, at the very least, it can throw us off our game. And if we're feeling nervous at all, it can, it can pile on a little bit to that. And what you're saying is really at the heart of the most important thing, which is prepare for this test. And that's not just about studying, but mm-hmm. about knowing what the environment is going to be, uh, what are the expectations? What's the process? Yes. All of that is so important. Yeah. Setting yeah. expectations can do a lot. I mean, yeah. anything from when we do an intake with our clients, setting expectations can really in- increase the chance of success with the people on our table. Absolutely. And we should we should carry the same intention forward when when preparing ourselves for the test. If we go and take a look at that video, we're not necessarily expecting a warm, fuzzy beanbag and, you know, someone reading us questions in a, a polite tone. Right, or a comfortable chair. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. There are some other things that are difficult if you're interested in hearing about them. Absolutely. Um, there's a time element involved here. You're you're drawing uh you're drawing lines from exam process to practice. Uh just like we have time boundaries in our work, there is a time boundary for this test. Two hours is the official time allotment Mm, they take five minutes for uh, making sure that you're uh, consenting to security processes and five minutes for a survey afterward. So you have about an hour and 10 minutes to do 100 questions. Do you mean an hour and 50 minutes? I mean, minutes? 100 and. No, 110 minutes is yeah. what I mean. Yeah, so an hour and 50 minutes. That's yeah. exactly right. Yes. Um, if you don't finish all the questions on the test, you can't pass it. You you have to finish. So you have to mind the time. Wow. There's a little space in the upper right corner where the time is viewed. If that's making you nervous, you're allowed to hide it. <laughs> but don't right. forget that it's there. Because right. uh, so, you need to get all the way through. So if you have 30 seconds left, just mark B for everything? If you have three questions left, yeah, just get some answers in there. Wow, okay. And hope that your prior answers will carry you through. Well, that's useful. I mean, having not knowing that can be... 
devastating if you think that it's, oh, just going to be, you know, I missed two questions at the very end, but exactly. then you don't actually get to pass. Then they won't give you a score. Wow. Yeah, they won't give you a score. Um, yeah, exactly. One other thing that uh, is challenging for some folks, I just gave a, um, a testing class today and I was watching the students taking their exam. It happened to be a 100-question test. And, you know, folks started on the first page and they went through and then they went back through and they checked out those questions that they didn't know right away and uh, they took their time on some of the questions. You can't do that with the MBLEX. You have to answer one question at a time in serial order. You can't go back. You can't flag a question. Some professions permit that on their licensing exams, but the FSMTB does not. So that means once you say next... That's it. That question is gone. And if you think 15 minutes later, oh, yeah, I'd like to change that answer, can't do it. Mm. So it means staying focused. Right. Part of what we talk about in class is you're not taking a test. You're taking one question at a time. It happens one piece at a time. Yeah, I can imagine if you were unprepared walking into this test, you go through, you get, you know, a pat down. You have to put all your stuff into a locker. You get into a fairly cold environment. You realize that you can't go back and change the answers that you gave before. You could you could get seriously thrown off your game. Get a little if, lathered, yeah. If you don't know what's coming. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. So I guess this brings me to my next question, which is, do you think that this test does a good job of testing the quality or readiness of a massage therapist? I'm pausing. Um, I guess the first thing that I would want to offer with respect to that is that it's ridiculous to think that an academic test could possibly assure or assess the quality of a therapist. Um, When folks come in to the test prep class, it sometimes takes us a while to surface that, but that's often what's at the heart of people's anxiety is my value is going to be challenged by this test. And we just have to say, don't let this test have more power than it has. It's something you need to do legally. It's not that it doesn't have value. You're probably even going to learn something in preparing for it. But it can't possibly confer value on you as a therapist. Uh, so that's that's a really important thing to remember. Right. At the same time, if you're going to have a standardized test to provide the functions that you've alluded to, to to provide a an even bar that everybody has to vault over, or to provide a barrier for folks who actually aren't legitimate practitioners, um, something that is not going to be easy for them to hop over and masquerade, then this test is not bad. There have been a lot of pains taken to construct it well. Um, There's a job analysis survey that was conducted over a, a large number of people to determine what practicing massage therapists think you need to know in order to be a good massage therapist. And that's what determined the content of the test, and that's what determined the 
proportion of questions on things mm. in the test. Mm-hmm. And that was conducted when the exam was started in 2007, and it was conducted again in 2013, and it will probably be conducted again in a period of years as the ch- field changes so that updates can be made. Last time they did the job analysis survey, they actually uh, changed the test to ask fewer AMP questions and more questions on guidelines for professional practice, ethics, um, I think maybe assessment, Interesting. session planning. So moving away from anatomy and physiology and into more practice-driven. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, it's not... I think it has a lot to recommend it if if you're going to have a test like this. At the same time, you have to keep it in perspective. Yeah, from from this conversation, it strikes me that this test does not test whether or not you're going to be a good therapist, but it does take it does test whether or not you're taking it seriously. It does, uh, and it does test whether or not you have received the education that you say you have. Right. Yeah. And that is important. It serves a function. It does serve a function. Remember, it's supposed to determine entry-level competence, so it serves it serves that particular function. So you mentioned that the the test is updated uh, on a regular basis. Do they take that time to insert new questions, or do they just like modify the questions? Yeah, that's um, it's a great distinction. The overall uh, proportion of content and category of content is updated periodically, but the questions. Are constantly renewed. So there are always committees writing questions and new questions are being vetted and added to the available pool of questions. Oh, so all the time. All the time. So mm. uh, it's not that the um, it's not that the questions stay the same for five years. It's that the proportion of what is asked and the content areas stay the same between uh, job analysis surveys. I see. So there is still some flexibility in how they run their tests. It's just the, the, the study guide, for instance, the one they hand out to you, will stay approximately the same because it will the, all the proportions will be The content consistent. outline will stay the same, yeah. exactly. But the yeah. questions themselves are, are changeable. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So let's say that, that, that update you're talking about that happens every once in a while is coming up. If you had full control over that update, what would you do? I don't know that I would do anything different than they're doing, honestly. And the only reason I can say that is that this test isn't just for me. It's for everybody. It has to be, there have to be broad, uh, there has to be broad buy-in. There has to be broad survey to base the test on. I... I can say the majority of practitioners that I know don't use systemic A&P every day in their practices. I could say that. But I'm not speaking for everybody. And it's also true that if we are defining ourselves as healthcare practitioners, which is how we are defining ourselves these days as a profession, we need to understand at least a minimum about how the human body works and be able to converse reasonably with other healthcare professionals. So I, you know, there are parts that are more and less meaningful to me personally on the test, but I wouldn't recommend that they be struck. And I honestly don't think that I would say ditch this and emphasize that or add something completely different. 
Yeah, I think that there, we're drawing a distinction here and that the test itself is not a test to make sure that you can give a good massage. Right, exactly. And so it really isn't about structuring the test around that, even though the natural impulse is to do that, because it's a test for massage therapists. And we're used to doing things in practice. Exactly. But this is this is a, a different angle to, to, to observe from, which is this test is to make sure that I have the education necessary, that I'm putting the time and effort in to learn the body in a way that the people who are going to get my services understand I've been held to a certain level of expectation. That's exactly right. When we receive body work from each other, it's very subjective. You know, uh, I may love your body work and somebody else might say, "Mm, yeah, it's okay, but I really prefer to go over here. It's sort of the same with some of the material that we might want to put on the test. I might say, I'd love to see some questions on here about client interaction, how you communicate with your clients. But, you know... That's subjective. It's not as objective. And they're really trying to stick to the things that are true commonalities. Right. Yeah. So when I knew you were coming in, I this question came up for me, and I couldn't, couldn't resist but ask it. What is the most unusual question you have heard of being on this test? I cannot answer you. <laughs> you can't answer me? I cannot answer you. Um it is absolutely forbidden to communicate anything about any specific question that's on the test. I feel like from I'm in your a, memory. I feel like I'm in a sterile room getting a pat down right hey, now. Hey, I know. I'm so sorry, <laughs> Haley. <laughs> I cannot answer that question. Um, and what's interesting is uh, after the exam today, I'm going back to my classroom experience today. We talked a little bit about tests, and the emblex came up. And several people in the room had taken the test, and several hadn't. So, of course, this kind of question came up. You know, well, what was on it, you know? And the people who had taken the test in all genuineness said, I couldn't tell you. I just know that they were some of the strangest questions I ever answered. And I would have to say that that's true for me as well. I, I thought the questions were some of the most odd questions I had ever answered. I felt that way through the whole test. And it wasn't that the subject matter stuck out. There was just um, there was just an oddness to the question. So I can tell you that. Okay, that, um, that to expect oddity and unusualness. Yes, exactly. To just expect questions that that you you don't feel a hundred percent about. And I think that has something to do with them keeping you at your edge of the difficulty. But often I would read a question and I would think, oh, I, I know the answer to this question. And then I'd look at the answers and it wouldn't be there. I think, okay, I have to choose one of these. <laughs> these don't look like what I wanted, but I have to choose the best of what's here. Hmm. Um, so it may not necessarily be an issue with the question as much as with the issue with the answers. Yes. As well. Yes, yes. As a person who designs tests, I'm realizing that it's not... It's not questions or items, as they like to call them on the test, because some of them are just statements. Uh-huh. It's not the question or the item that's difficult. It's actually the difficulty is determined by the answers that are provided. Something like a crossword puzzle. Uh, the word may not be challenging, but if the clue is obtuse, it may be hard to get to the word. Mm. Um, you could have the same question with two different sets of answers, one very simple, uh, where the answer answer is obvious, and one where... The answers are all really challenging, and you have a hard time distinguishing what mm. makes one better than another. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, what is the most important reason to have the MBLEX in our industry? 
what's the most necessary thing about it for us? Probably a couple of the things that we've alluded to. It does provide a it does provide a standard, and I have mixed feelings about that uh, personally. As long as we recognize that it's an entry level exam and it's not intended to make us all the same, I think it's good. Um, it does ensure that someone who has been educated in one place can move to another place and practice um, from at least the same basic platform of knowledge. I think that's a good thing. We've been struggling toward that. The, the downside of standardization is homogenization, and that um, I have very deep feelings about, uh, but it's our business to avoid that, if possible, by other means. I feel like the culture of massage therapy is bound to be breaking itself away from homogenization. I hope that that's still true. I really do. I treasure that about this field and the people who are drawn to it. In your opinion, how do we best integrate the new standards and regulations of tests like the MBLEX into a community that has a lot of therapists that have been grandfathered in? Uh, I know myself, I, I have never taken the MBLEX and I've never had to because I've been in the industry long enough for it. it. It hasn't been required. So people who have been practicing for decades, how do we integrate them in to uh, a culture with people coming out of schools who do have to take this stuff? Yeah, uh, I guess it depends on the on the the place of integration that you're thinking about. As community members, the longtime practitioner. Uh, this is going to sound uh, self congratulatory. I'm a longtime practitioner, but the longtime practitioner who's been in the field has experience and depth and and wisdom that the new student is never going to have, that the new practitioner is never going to have. So I think as a community, there's built-in value for the practitioner who hasn't taken this test, but has touched thousands of, of people. Yeah. Um, at the same time, there's a, there is a, a place for the rise, rising, uh, amount of, of information and knowledge that is expected of us and that the new practitioners bring. I think it enlivens it enlivens the discussion a bit. It it challenges a little bit the status quo to have people coming coming through who are um, perhaps using more critical thinking in their session planning or um, bringing to bear a wider knowledge of human conditions or pathologies as they approach the practice of massage. That's, that's broadening. Yeah. So I think there are pluses from, from both sides. I guess for me, I'm just a little worried that there'll be an otherization that takes place and that as people come through and uh, feel like they've been held to a certain standard and look at uh, established practitioners who have not been held to that standard and feel like there's uh a divide between them. Mm -hmm. so that's, a, that's a potential. I mean, it's certainly a potential. Anytime we have difference, there's that potential for, for othering, as you mm -hmm. say. Um, I would hope we'd be able to look beyond that and actually see the value that each of us would bring. The practitioner who hasn't had the advantage, I'll use that word with a funny inflection, <laughs> the advantage, 
of uh, certification has had to rise on their own merits. And that's really uh, in the marketplace without anything to say, I am worthy, uh, except skill and reputation. That's not a small thing. I would hope, uh, at least if there's any dialogue, that that could, could be brought forward as a, as a point. Um, I think there's a danger from the other side, too, of long-time practitioners thinking, ah, these young people, it's all, it's all uh, information, and they're not, really, uh, they're not really interested in personal growth. It's, uh, it's just a career for them that they think is going to earn them a lot of money per hour. And uh, I think there are a lot of places where we, can, where we can feel other. But then the field has been volcanic. I mean, the field has changed so drastically and, and rapidly yeah. that I think that maybe the Mblex is just one face of that. Yeah. There are a lot of faces of that. Yeah, that uh, was going to be the other side. Is Yeah, in return, maybe even the older practitioner is feeling threatened by this feeling that they're not certified in the way that sure. newer practitioners are certified. And, sure. And if they don't feel secure in themselves, feeling threatened by Feeling that. threatened by that. Yeah. I can look inside my own process with this, my own personal process with this test. Uh, like you, I certified at a time when it wasn't necessary to pass the test. And I was really fine with that. And I felt comfortable supporting other people to pass it because I don't think it defines you as a practitioner. So it was actually something I wanted to help do. Because of my long academic history and my familiarity with tests, I felt I had a lot to offer, and I think that was okay. Quite uh, independent of any conscious choice, I allowed my certification to lapse um, while I was caring for my mother and nursing her through her end-of-life process. When I surfaced and realized, oh my gosh, my, my CAMTC certification is lapsed, uh, I went right to the website to see what kind of a grace period there was, and I had exceeded it by 18 days. So I had to start from scratch. Fortunately, I had enough educational background that was current that I did not need to go back to school. I was grateful for that. But it did mean that I had to now actually take this test. So... Um, it was an interesting process for me to prepare for it, to see how frightened I was by it, to uh, to get inside that feeling of my whole life, my 30-plus years of practice is now on the line and having to talk myself down off that. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I think also listening to this conversation may mm. help uh, an individual who has been practicing a long time yeah. to reach out and say, okay, this, is not, this test is not going to define me as a practitioner. Exactly. And therefore, there's not quite as much writing, there's not quite as much at stake exactly. with regards to taking it as they might initially think. Exactly. You know, before this conversation, if I were to have thought about taking it, my first fear would be, oh man, what if I fail? Does that mean I'm not a good therapist, even though I think I am? Right. I've been in my own world for so long doing practice in my private practice. Right. And I think I'm doing a lot of good, but maybe I'm just not that good. Maybe I'm not that good. Maybe right. I'm not. Maybe I don't deserve this. But yeah. to hear that the two are separate, they really are separate. May yeah. in, in fact encourage like, okay, this is a great benchmark. Let me contribute to this this uh, momentum that our industry is trying to to take on of standardization and and lifting that bar. And and maybe we can all 
be certified. Right. Yeah. One day, one big happy certified nice. family. I. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much. Before before I let you go, is there any question uh, that you have for me or anything that this has brought up for you? No. As we were talking, actually, I was wondering uh, where you were with respect to the test and what uh, what your own personal process was with it. But you you've shared that, and I'm I'm glad to receive that information. It's, yeah. Yeah. I think it is a challenge uh, for those of us who don't have to take it to walk voluntarily toward uh, something. But then also the, the rules are changing so quickly, you know, that, that the have to, the, the voluntary part of certification is going away, as you've addressed in some of your other podcasts. Yeah. So, well, I, I personally, I am certified. You are certified, right. So that's not an issue there for you. But if for whatever reason it does lapse or something changes, I mean, it's quite possible they would take away the grandfathering right. in and at a certain point, Emblex may be required for all practitioners. Yeah. I doubt that they'll require it for people who maintain their certification. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, if you moved away or came back, situation like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for dropping in with me, Linda. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's really been a pleasure. Yeah, this has been quite a illuminating conversation. I now know so much more about the test, and I feel like I could actually walk into it and uh, do much better than I would have if I hadn't had this conversation That's with you. terrific. Thanks so much. All right. Well, All take right. care. Okay. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, please go ahead and review it on iTunes. And if you have any questions that you had wished I had asked or topics you want me to cover in the future, please visit the website at www.howsthepressure.com where you can send me an email and hopefully I can include it. Until next time, be good and be well. <laughs>